Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Happy Tuesday. Let's get right to it. House Democrats issuing more subpoenas. Headlines crossing the Bloomberg terminal just within the last 10 minutes. Hope Hicks, remember her? She has now been subpoenaed by the Democratic-controlled House of Representatives. Meanwhile, as has a top aide to President Trump's former former lawyer, Don McGahn. We're going to get into all of this. Meanwhile, Bob Mueller is saying he would not like to testify publicly and would like to do it privately. Will anyone ever hear publicly from Don or from Bob Mueller? And meanwhile, in policy, new developments, President Trump aligning with Democrats and Republicans on pushing back against Chinese telecommunications firms Huawei and ZTE. But what does it mean for tariffs and the U.S.-China trade talks? We have an all-star panel here. Plus, we're going to check in with Congressman Jamie Raskin, uh, who's going to call us in later on in the program. Brian Lanza, his first time on the show. He's managing director at Mercury. He's the former Trump for President deputy communications director and the Trump transition team communications director a.k.a. a Trump insider, and Adrian Elrod, a friend of the program, Democratic strategist and a former senior advisor uh, to the Hillary Clinton campaign. What does she make of Joe Biden's launch in my neck of the woods, Philly, just the other day? Before we get into all of that, though, Hope Hicks, remember her? She has been subpoenaed, the Democratic chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, issuing subpoenas Tuesday, ordering two more of President Trump's former advisors, Hope Hicks and Annie Donaldson, to testify before the panel of the House Judiciary Committee. Joining us in studio, we have Adrian Elrod. She's a friend of the program, a Democratic strategist and Clinton 2016 presidential campaign director of strategic communications. And Brian Lanza making his debut on the program, managing director at Mercury. He is also the former Trump for president deputy communications director and Trump transition team communications director. Brian, Hope Hicks subpoena. Will she testify? No. I mean, this whole narrative is just boring at this point. We know what they're going to do is drum up more noise. And uh, the precedent is going to say this, you know, this is just let's waste time. Adrian? Um, well, I'm not sure. I mean, I certainly am not speaking on behalf of Hope Hicks. Um, that's pretty clear. But look, this is what happens. I mean, this is what happens when the Trump administration continuously suppresses these testimonies, does not turn over rele- relevant documents. Jerry Nadler in the Oversight Committee chairmen chair w- and women on the House side are now 
forced to essentially go after other staff to try to get information that the Trump White House will not turn over. All right. So in a statement, House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler, a Democrat from New York, saying, quote, I have issued these subpoenas today to two critical witnesses who have worked closely with the president. We are seeking the information in order to conduct proper oversight, consider potential legislation, and perform our constitutional duties. The two subpoenas being issued are for Hope Hicks and Annie Donaldson. We should note that it comes as they have tried to pursue findings by special counsel Bob Mueller concerning possible obstruction of justice by President Trump. This is an aggressive move, Brian. No? Uh, listen, I think it's if you look at the pattern and discussions that uh, Nadler's been having, he's always wanted to have a very aggressive posture. And I think that's why it's important for the administration to push back. I mean, you're going to see these subpoenas this week, probably another set of subpoenas next week. I mean, we know what the playbook looks like. I mean, the Republicans did this against Bill Clinton, you know, what, 20 years oh, ago? Oh, but now? this is totally different. Of course Come it's on, different. Brian. I was so a Democrat different. at that point, so I, was, uh, I, I sort of have a different perspective. Uh, but I it's, never it's, knew you were. Wow. Yeah, I was a Democrat. I never Clinton. knew that. I think we've identified, <laughs> like, the one person in Washington who. Wow. Absolutely. Adrian? I mean, what do you say to well, that? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm kind <laughs> of in shock to know that, that Brian Lanza was once a, de- once a Democrat. A Clinton yeah. Democrat. Clinton, Clinton Democrat. Democrat. I couldn't stomach Al Gore. I went W. <laughs> but I was definitely Clinton. Um, no, look, this is the repercussion of the Trump White House simply not turning over the re- requested documents. I mean, Jerry Nadler, I'm sure, would, would like to not ask Ann Donaldson, who is... Um, who I believe was Don McGahn's chief of staff, and also Hope Hicks to come in. But because the Trump White House will not turn over documents that have been subpoenaed, by the way, I mean, this is what Congress is supposed to do. They are supposed to exercise oversight authority. This is what the Constitution lays out. And the fact that the Trump administration is not willing to work with them, this is what we're now going to see happen. And I think you're probably right, Brian. I think we will see more and more subpoenas come forward of additional information and toward additional people to testify because – the administration will not turn over the requested documents. All right. Hicks was subpoenaed to testify on June 24th. And all of this is pertaining to potential obstruction of just uh, obstruction of justice. Right, Adrian? Mm-hmm. And whether or not the Democrats in the Democratic controlled House of Representatives are ultimately going to decide to, to impeach. Right. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Right. And this is look, this is something that Obviously, there's some very public-facing disagreement right now between uh, members of the Democratic Party caucus in Congress and, obviously, Leader Pelosi and her team as well. Um, You know, we'll see how this plays out. I do think that, at the very least, an impeachment inquiry, which essentially examines whether or not the impeachment process should take place, that seems like a logical step to me because we're not saying, okay, we're going immediately into impeachment proceedings. We're saying... We're going to obtain all the information, examine everything, and decide whether or not we truly believe there's a case. And I think in in order for to appease the Democratic Party base who wants this, and also to make sure that we are, you know, conducting and providing proper oversight over the executive branch, that's an important first step. All right. So why why are we using the? Why are we trying to appease the Democratic base? Why don't we do what's right here? What the right system is? You had Mueller's investigation came came forward. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. All right. No, no, no. Usually, I mean, we get to these developments toward the end of the program, but these headlines just crossing the Bloomberg terminal again. The House Judiciary Committee uh, issuing subpoenas to Hope Hicks as well as Annie Donaldson, the the former or the latter being uh, one of the top aides to Don McGahn. So that's story number one, Nadler issuing these subpoenas to two longtime 
Trump advisors. Then you've got Don McGahn today defying these subpoena issued by the Judiciary Committee chairman, saying that he will not subpoena and or he will not com, uh, comply with the subpoena and testify. So the former White House counsel, Don McGahn, not testifying. And then you've got the Bob Mueller showdown about whether or not he's going to testify. And Robert Mueller, according to my colleague Billy House's reporting, is balking at testifying publicly before Congress and is pushing for a closed-door appearance. It's hard to keep up. I mean, with all of these it different – It's like games. political whack-a-mole. And I do want to play what uh, – did you guys see this? Justin Amash, the Republican from Michigan, who is saying that he wants to, he's for impeachment, joining mm-hmm. the Democrats, never one to to you know shy away from from grabbing a headline. But everyone, everyone, trust me, take my word for it. Once an interview with Congressman Amash, he gives like this. He's talking to a bunch of students today earlier, <laughs> and and he finally breaks his silence on on whether or not he wants to impeach. Everyone in the press corps was like, are you, are you serious? But I'll play for you what Congressman Justin Amash had to say. This will be the only time I hear him. <laughs> about, uh, <laughs> about the impeachment. Here he is. It's a process. It's not like the uh, resolution is just drawn up uh, overnight. It's, it's a process, and you have to uh, come to the right conclusions about how to draft something. So that was Congressman Justin Amash, a Republican from Michigan. Who, so I'm confused. Who, is, who has said that he is in agreement with Democrats, that there was impeachable conduct. And then Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell will uh, take a listen to what he had to say. The case is closed. The House can do whatever they choose to. Case closed from Cocaine Mitch. And listen, I'm not being uh, snarky. He has embraced that headline and he is selling it. T-shirts. Coming up on the program, enough of the investigations. We're going to talk policy, especially U.S. and China trade talks. What do does the executive order on, against Huawei and ZTE mean for U.S. businesses and the fate of those tariffs with the U.S.-China trade talks? You can download this Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, and you are listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. The ongoing trade saga between the U.S. and China has hit a new rup- a rupture. This, as the Trump administration has essentially blacklisted Huawei and ZTE from advancing their businesses. These are, of course, the Chinese state-run telecommunication giants from doing business here in the United States. With me in studio, Brian Lanza. He's Managing Director at Mercury. He's also the former Trump for President Deputy Communications Director and Trump Transition Team Communications Director. And I just learned this, also a former Clinton Democrat. Correct. From California. But switch. What part of Cali? L.A. Oh, wow. But switched. You and Stephen Miller. But switched. Different uh, neighborhoods. After... after the gore. Yeah, couldn't stomach gore. So then you went for W. Yep. And Adrian Elrod, who I watched learn that Brian was a Democrat, and she went, her ears perked up. Adrian <laughs> Elrod, Democratic strategist, a Clinton insider, former senior advisor uh, to the Hillary Clinton. I was Clinton. not, by the way, a former Republican. I don't believe that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the I've, I've always been away. a Democrat. Did you know that Senator Elizabeth Warren, the Democratic presidential candidate, was a Republican? Yes. That's fast. She, and Reagan. Fun fact. 
Yeah. Fascinating fact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like one of the most progressive members. We're well, all let, young ones. Yeah. Well, let's <laughs> let's stay on topic with the U.S. and China trade uh, deal and, and, and really how uh, this has absolutely flipped upside down. And my colleagues are reporting on the Bloomberg terminal that the president really waited until just within the last week or so before he decided to ink the executive orders against Huawei, against ZTE, which essentially are like the Apple and Googles of China. And I got to be honest, I was up on Capitol Hill today and I interviewed one of the top Democrats in the Senate on foreign relations, Senator Chris Coons. He's a Democrat from Delaware. And he he essentially said uh, that Democrats are in lockstep with the administration on how U.S. foreign policy is being conducted as it pertains to Huawei and ZTE. Take a listen to what he told me. That's a fairly bold step uh, and is moving us towards decoupling um, the technology sectors of the United States and China. Uh, I am convinced that Huawei poses a significant security threat to the United States. So that was Senator Chris Coons, Brian, a Democrat from Delaware. And it, is, it seems that lawmakers, whether last week it was Senator Mark Warner, a Democrat from Virginia, or this week Senator Coons, are aligned with President Trump on this particular point. Bipartisanship is working. I mean, it's uh, at the end of the day, you know, you have some very, you know, important issues that have been on the horizon for a very long time. I think we're at this unique juncture where the president has ramped up sort of maximum pressure when it comes to trade negotiations. And as he's doing these negotiations, he's obviously bringing more issues into the play to strengthen his negotiating hand. And uh, I think that's probably what you're seeing. Huawei's, you know, is, is one additional steps. I'm sure there's other steps you can see. Uh, but it's, 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 I guess it's all part of, you know, the foreign policy of maximum pressure. And meanwhile, I don't know if you guys saw this, there was a letter that was sent just within the last 24 hours or so where the top athletic wear companies, Nike, mm-hmm. Adidas, Under Armour, they signed this letter and they said, well, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, dear Mr. President, please get rid of these tariffs because they're, they're concerned about how tariffs are going to impact their industry. Adrian, is that something that you think is only going to continue to reverberate uh, an echo here inside of the Beltway as more and more sectors, whether it's not, we always talk about commodities, we always talk about farmers, mm-hmm. but these are all a lot of different sectors that are aligning against these tariffs. Yeah, I do, and I think that... Um you know, we're, we're certainly seeing a lot of sectors come forward to the Trump administration and sound the alarm bells about how these tariffs are going to impact their industry. Um, because, of course, ultimately, the volatility in the market, the, you know, questions about how, when and if the tariffs are going to take place, ultimately hurts consumers because they're the ones who are on the receiving end of this market instability. You know, I would say that same letter also talks about, you know, wanting more time to move their operations away from China into other markets. So I think there's a recognition from people from industry who realize that China's probably not going to be the best actor going forward if they're going to continue down these paths of trying to steal our technology, IT, or technology transfers, and that this particular moment we're addressing it. And, you know, so the letter is right in the sense that tariffs are hurting them, but the letter also goes on to say if you give us more time to, you know, delay the tariffs so we can relocate our resources away, our capital resources away from China, you see that as a, as a pretty big step that's sort of changing, you know, the trade policy that existed for the last 20 years. And, and that's all President Trump. And the administration has signaled, you mentioned that, that extension, they signaled within the last 24 hours that they're going to issue this 90-day mm-hmm. reprieve period for some 
U.S. businesses to recalibrate before they have to comply with the executive orders regarding ZTE and Huawei. Adrian, you mentioned the markets, U.S. stocks rebounding on Tuesday as the trade war driven back and forth that dominated the markets this month showed few signs of abating. Uh, The S&P 500 climbed uh, after the U.S. decided to grant these limited relief for the consumers and carriers that do business with Huawei. Uh, So again, the S&P reacting positively with regards to that uh, extension. Coming up, we talk more about the investigations. We're going to hear from a member of the Democratic-controlled House Judiciary Committee. Congressman Jamie Raskin, a Democrat from Maryland, joins us on the telephone reacting to the new subpoenas from that House Judiciary Committee against Hope Hicks and former Don McGahn aide Annie Donaldson. That's coming up. You can download the sounds on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork, and it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. And joining us on the telephone line is a member of the House Judiciary Committee, Congressman Jamie Raskin. He's a Democrat from Maryland. Congressman, the headlines that have crossed just within the last couple of hours as the committee of which you are a member issuing new subpoenas tonight against longtime uh, Trump advisor Hope Hicks, as well as former aide to Don McGahn, Annie Donaldson. Why? Um, I think, if I'm recalling correctly, that... They make uh, an appearance in the Mueller report as knowing about um, various episodes of presidential obstruction of justice, such as the president ordering Don McGahn to uh, fire the special counsel and other episodes in which the president interfered with the ongoing law enforcement investigation. So that's the first headline. And meanwhile... Point number two is that Bob Mueller, the special counsel, is reportedly balking at having to testify publicly before Congress and wants to do it behind closed doors. So is there anything that that you can do or Democrats can do to strategically get him to testify publicly? Well, I think we got to find out what he's fearful of. Uh, We know that the president has made lots of threats to lots of different witnesses. He has tried to intimidate people and their families. Um, And so I don't know exactly what's 
you know, what is behind this. It might have nothing to do with the president, but we'll, we can try to, um, you know, uh, appease any concerns he's got about testifying. Obviously, he'll be able to speak freely about what's on his mind and what went into both the factual findings and the legal conclusions of the report. All right. So you've got subpoenas issued today for Hope Hicks and Annie Donaldson, longtime Trump aides. You've got Bob Mueller saying that he wants to testify behind closed doors. And then you have former White House counsel Don McGahn defying the subpoena by declining to testify before the House Judiciary Committee. Uh, This after the White House uh, has said that they would not like him to, to testify. What do you say to folks who say, hey, this is the president's attorney. He shouldn't have to testify. Uh, it's, it's attorney-client privilege. Um, well, we know that that is not um, a privilege that uh, gives anybody immunity from testifying before Congress. So that doesn't work. And um, he has uh, uh, testified before the special counsel. So if there were any executive privilege, it's clearly been waived. The president encouraged him to spend many hours talking to uh, the special counsel. And the Supreme Court has said that the, the top advisors of the president um, are subject to being called to uh, testify before Congress. And, you know, even if there is this or that question that they may be immunized from having to answer because of executive privilege, they still have to come and then they can invoke the privilege uh, as to this or that question. But we think that the privilege has been waived entirely by virtue of all of the testimony before Special Counsel Mueller. Joining us on the line, Congressman Jamie Raskin. He is a Democrat representing Maryland's 8th District. He is also a member of the House Judiciary Committee, the eye of the storm in which all of these investigations are being looked at. Congressman, has the issue of impeachment been settled? Uh, no, definitely not. Um, there, are, There's an increasing number of members who are calling for an impeachment investigation, an impeachment inquiry, but that's very different from impeachment. The press has framed this as, are you for impeachment? Are you against impeachment? Which really is not the question. The question is whether uh, we have enough evidence from the Mueller report. And I do think it's overwhelming to suggest that there were high crimes and misdemeanors committed in presidential obstruction of justice, such that we should impanel uh, an investigation to inquire into high crimes and misdemeanors. Congressman, I know you have a busy schedule and we appreciate you calling into the program. But before I let you go, I just want to follow up on this point, because earlier on we played a a portion of comments from Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, the Republican from Kentucky. And you know this, the math in the Senate is a very different political landscape than the Democratic-controlled House. So what do you say to political observers or folks who are trying to understand why – even go through with impeachment in the House if it's just going to land with a thud in the Senate? We've all taken a constitutional oath to uphold and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Um, And that's a pretty sacred oath that all of us have voluntarily entered into. We can't control what the Senate does. We passed um, a terrific gun safety bill, which is supported by 97 percent of the American people, to close the Internet loophole and the private gun show loophole. Nothing's happened with it in the Senate. Mitch McConnell is sitting on it. We passed legislation to lower prescription drug prices um, by getting um, the generics more opportunity to get out there to compete. They've done nothing with it in 
the Senate. We passed equal pay for equal work legislation for women. Again, they've done nothing. But, but what can we do other than to do our constitutional duty and to uphold our oaths of office? And the truth is that when you launch such an inquiry, you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, when um, Richard Nixon ended up resigning after impeachment articles were introduced against him, um, he was much higher in the polls than Donald Trump. Donald Trump is one of the lowest rated presidents of all time um, because of his you know, clear misbehavior and misconduct in office. But um, Nixon ended up just dropping precipitously in the polls. And even Republicans said to him, uh, the game is up. You've committed high crimes and misdemeanors. Nobody's above the law in America. That's the key point. And one of my uh, Republican colleagues, Justin Amash, who said there were clearly impeachable crimes committed by the president, according to uh, the special counsel right. report, he has said we cannot think like Democrats or Republicans. We've got to think like Americans. And he's a thousand well, percent right about it. Well, that. let me just quickly, just very, very quickly, just let me let me press you here. What do you say? But, but you know this. I mean, the chatter in Washington off the record is that President Trump is essentially saying, bring it on, impeach me. He wants to be impeached. What, what do you say to that to that thinking when when Republicans are chattering like that and they're making the case well, that impeachment I, would help him? Yeah, I mean, it, it is true. The president lurches from crisis to crisis. So let's shut down the government. Let's build the wall. When that fails, you know, we'll go to Mexico. We'll go to Congress. When that fails, I'll declare a national emergency. When that fails, I'll move on to the next crisis. I mean, it's true. He would love this as a crisis for a couple of days, but that doesn't stop us from pursuing the rule of law and us doing our constitutional duty. But by the way, he should beware what he wishes for, because he might think this is a big game that he and the Republicans are engaged in when they continually taunt us and say, impeach, impeach, impeach. Um, There are a number of Republicans who will get into the Republican primaries the moment an impeachment inquiry begins. I mean, you can tell Mitt Romney is waiting to have his revenge, as is Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz. These are all people that Trump has directly insulted them and their families uh, in very uh, hostile and incendiary ways. And there's no love lost between him and most of the Republican Party. The moment that they see him sinking, Mm -hmm. they're going to be pouncing on it and running for president. So. I think that the the joke might be on the president in the end in terms of what his party does. All right. We're going to have to leave it there. Thank you to Congressman Jamie Raskin, a Democrat from Maryland. He's a member of the House Judiciary Committee, which, of course, has been dominating the political discourse on this beautiful Tuesday. Coming up, much more policy and politics. Our panel reacts to that interview. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Maybe I'm biased, but I got to say, on a beautiful day like this, spring in Washington, D.C., there is no better soundtrack than the all-time best band in the history of music, U2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We are talking all things politics and policy. We just heard from Congressman Jamie Raskin. He is a Democrat representing Maryland's 8th Congressional District. He is also a member of the House Judiciary Committee, which issued subpoenas tonight to longtime Trump aide Hope Hicks, as well as Annie Donaldson. She is a, a, an aide to Don McGahn, the president's uh, special counsel. Uh, in studio, listening to this interview with us for the hour, his first time on the program, Brian Lanza, Managing Director of Mercury. He's the former 
Trump for President Deputy Communications Director and Trump Transition Team Communications Director, and Adrian Elrod, a friend of the program, a country music fan, and a Democratic strategist, uh, as well as Hillary Clinton insider. She was the Clinton 2016 presidential campaign director of strategic communications. And uh, Adrian, I do want to extend my condolences because I know uh, that you were recently at the uh, funeral s- ceremony uh, for and the reception honoring the life of former Congresswoman Ellen Tauscher, a Democrat from California. And there were some high profile dignitaries who attended that event. Yeah, Kevin, she was really incredible. She was, first of all, one of our top surrogates on Hillary Clinton's both 2008 campaign and 2016 campaign. She was also, this is a very fun, interesting fact, one of the, actually the youngest woman ever appointed to serve on the New York Stock Exchange at age 25, and also one of the only women at the time to be on the Stock Exchange. You know, I didn't know that. Right? So she had this incredible career, and of course she was in Congress for uh, five terms, and then Hillary appointed her to be um, her undersecretary for nuclear affairs, where she renegotiated the START treaty with Russia. I mean, it was it was really quite the powerful group of foreign uh, affairs experts and dignitaries yesterday. Precisely. And uh, the former Secretary of State and Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton uh, attending that uh, ceremony, as well as House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Uh, And there was a reception at Cafe Milano. Where else would it be? Cafe Milano in Georgetown. Obviously. And and, but truly a remarkable honoring. The reception uh, followed the memorial service at the National Cathedral. I'm just going through the names of folks who were there. Uh, Janet Napolitano, uh, former Senator Chuck Robb, Representative Donna Shalala from Florida. Shalala. Shalala. I apologize. I'm reading this clearly. Wow. (laughs) This is why I'm still – wow, I deserve that. I apologize to Congresswoman Shalala. My apologies. I think she gets it a lot. Well, it was a beautiful, beautiful uh, ceremony. Greta Van Susteren attended as well. Brian, okay, we just heard from Congressman Jamie Raskin, a Democrat from Maryland representing – uh, the uh, a member of the House Judiciary Committee, and he said that, I'm paraphrasing, that the issue of impeachment is not settled, that President Trump's assertions that he wants to be impeached should be not taken seriously because there are Republicans who want to jump in and challenge him in a presidential primary. Your response? Yeah, the circus continues. I mean, it's uh, it's good to know that the, the congressman has opinions about our primary process and that he's leveraging his Judiciary Committee to try to influence the Republican primary. I'm sure the taxpayers are happy to hear about that. Uh, Adrian, you tell me. I mean, that's exactly what I heard. Um, no, that's not what I heard at all, actually. Not at all. Direct quote. Um, no. No, <laughs> no listen, listen, here's what we've got to keep in mind. If you take politics out of the equation, you take it, you know, the 30,000-foot view, and you realize that Congress is the co-equal branch of the executive branch, and it is the only, especially the House right now, is the only branch of government that is conducting a proper check and balance on the administration. If Congress does not do its job and conduct proper oversight, then future presidents, by the way, Brian, Democrat or Republican, could come forward and say, you know what, I'm above the rule of law. I can conduct myself however I choose to while in office and, you know, before and get away with it. So Congress has to do this. It is their oversight responsibility. The issue that Nancy Pelosi has is knowing that impeachment should it go through is never going to pass the Senate. Donald Trump will not be impeached in this current Congress. So it's like, why put the country through the marathon if, if, if you're never going to reach the Because we have to take politics out of the equation. You've got to keep the base happy. 
The base expects this. There's been promises made to the Democratic base that if you give us power, we're going to impeach this president. And now, in spite of any evidence of anything impeachable, they're sort of moving down this track where they have to do it. Very similar to what the Tea Party did to, to Boehner. You know, they made him go through an unreasonable path in shutting down the government multiple times, regardless if there was any real success. Nancy Pelosi's falling in that same trap uh, by sort of talking that impeachment may be on the table. Now, they're trying, to, they're trying to nuance it and say, we're not actually talking about impeachment. We're talking about the possibility of investigating impeachment. It's all impeachment, but nobody, you know, they're not going to put it up. But I think you have to look at this in two different buckets here. Politically, yes, that is where Democrats have to figure out how to keep the base happy while conducting proper oversight and not completely abdicating responsibility. But then if you look at the actual policy side of things and simply the responsibility of government and the responsibility of the congressional, uh, of Congress and of, of the legislative branch, then you cannot abdicate this responsibility. This is literally Congress's job. It is ingrained in the Constitution that Congress conducts oversight over the executive branch. You know, once again, the street is not blinking. They're, they're barely blinking. They barely blinked on all of the saga surrounding your former boss, Secretary Clinton's emails, uh, and they're barely blinking on, on the latest headlines about chatter of impeachment. And a lot of the analytical notes uh, are still keeping that estimate from a percentage standpoint at about 20, less, less than 20 percent, that impeachment would be uh, a, something that is, that is going to be serious. I do want to switch gears because there was uh, some developments regarding Iran. Democrats are, were clamoring for answers, according to my colleagues on the Bloomberg Terminal, about the U.S. intentions for Iran. And Secretary of State uh, Mike Pompeo uh, and other intelligence officials spoke with House Republicans and Democrats at the Capitol earlier today, follow, followed by a separate briefing from senators. Adrian, regarding Iran in particular, what does the administration need to convey? Well, they, first of all, need to convey confidence to the American people. I mean, this is, uh, this is certainly not um, a foreign policy issue that I think the administration has handled well from the start. They walked away from negotiations a year ago. Um, now I, th I think they're trying to figure out what to do. But the bottom line is, I think as a country, nobody wants to go to war with Iran. I mean, maybe there are a handful of people who are like, you know, yay war. But the majority of us don't want to do that. So it, we are looking to the administration to conduct a very um, thoughtful, smart policy conversation with Iran because we don't want to get into this mess. Um, but that's why it's, you know, shameful to me that Trump walked away from the deal that was so very carefully put together by the Obama administration. That was not easy to do. I mean, listen, the deal was something that uh, needed to be canceled. It's, a, it's something that the president campaigned on. He was pretty transparent. Uh, every side had the opportunity to make the case, but it didn't exist. You know, as, as for, you know, engaging, engaging Iran and what's going on, like, we have to move forward. There is a process here. He, he's got he's to remain engaged. But the, the one thing to, to recognize, I'm going to hand it off to Kevin really quick, is also realize, you know, Trump is very skeptical of the intelligence community. And we want that skepticism at this critical time. And, the, and, and when you talk to sources at the State Department, they say they are putting full pressure on Iran through economic measures to isolate them, to encourage them to act as a good behavior. We're going to have to leave it there. My thanks to Adrian Elrod, friend of the program, Democratic strategist, and Brian Lanza, a, his first time on the program, managing director of Mercury and a Trump insider. That's it for me. I'm Kevin Cirilli, chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg TV and radio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.
The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.